episode 18, Talk Soups and CEOs. Conversation with Dr. Danny Merck, Pickens County, South Carolina. Enjoy. Good evening, whenever you are listening to this podcast. Welcome to episode 18 of Talk Soups and CEOs and season one of this podcast. I'm Doug Roberts, founder CEO of Institute for Education Innovation. Um, I'm going to go ahead and keep the intro to this episode short. I recorded this with Dr. Merck, with Danny. He likes to go, I asked him, are you Daniel? And he said, no, I'm, I'm Danny. <laughs> um, Dr. Merck uh, and I spoke... Uh, the week before everything got crazy, and then uh, we quickly switched our podcast time to everything related to coronavirus. So, um, but it was a really great conversation. We talked about, you know, the leader that uh, mentored him and inspired him to become superintendent. We talked about his leadership development method. You know, I've gotten to know Danny over the last few years as a member of IEI and really um, appreciate and respect his outlook on things. And, um, also, uh, just, uh, you know, just, just appreciate that he's been doing this for, for a good long while and, and, uh, seems to really enjoy his work as a superintendent. And he's been, he was the first South Carolina member we had in the group. And, uh, we've since built our South Carolina de- delegation out to four or five superintendents each time. So I've always really appreciated Danny. And, um, what I also appreciate about Danny is that he's willing to, to, to gather the team, um, to take a look at, at new ideas. He's, he's always pushing. Um, he doesn't assume status quo is the way to do things. And that's a, a leadership trait that I think, um, serves folks well. So, um, we've got a lot of episodes coming out. We're going to be generating a lot of, um, podcast content as we try to convene discussions amongst people in our universe who care so deeply as we do about, um, helping schools through, this massive challenge of coronavirus. But um, since we had this one recorded, I want to make sure to, to get it out there because it was a really, really great conversation. And Danny talks a little bit too about their prep. This was the week before uh, we recorded this on March 12th. This was the week before everything kind of kind of fell apart. And, um, you know, frankly, I just, if I'd had more time that week, uh, I would have gotten the the prep and all that recorded and, and produced. So um, as I tell people a lot, I had a, a good friend advise me that, you know, I have to make sure to continue to do my day job in addition to publishing a podcast. So, or else I become uh, a full-time podcaster with no business to run. So, um, apologies. This is getting out late. Thank you to Danny for being with us. Um, I'm sure schools in, in Pickens County, South Carolina are closed now, and he's now in the throes of this, this massive challenge to figure out how to educate kids. And, um, despite not being able to get them to school every day and, uh, our thoughts are as always with everybody out there, and, uh, you know, I, I know that, um, you know, I, I happen to be trained as, as a teacher. I haven't taught in 18 years or so, but, uh, I did have that sort of theoretical training and a few years experience. My wife still is a classroom teacher. Um, but, uh, we have such great appreciation for in starting week two of homeschooling, such great appreciation for our school and our teachers, um, and, uh, or our, our child's teachers and, uh, you know, 
think about that times however many kids are in a school district and think about the, you know, think about the, I'm sure most of you are hearing from a teacher right now is expressing a lot of kind of love and concern for your kids, those of you who are parents. And then imagine that times, you know, 5,000 kids, 10,000 kids, 16,000 in Danny's case um, in some of these larger districts. It's quite an undertaking what these folks are going through. And we can't say enough how much we appreciate all the work of everybody out there to try to take care of kids during this tough time. So enjoy the conversation with Danny and uh, we'll be back. We've got um, Larry Berger from Amplify episode coming up. And then I've got two veteran former superintendents who joined me to talk about sort of general crisis management um, with some, you know, some, some thoughts and good words for our superintendents out there who, who listen to Talk Soups. Enjoy and thank you. Good morning. Welcome back to Talk Soups and CEOs. Uh, finally getting back to podcasting. It's been fun. We took a little hiatus when we had our winter summit. Um, but we're back. Thanks for being with us. This is a, a crazy, crazy week with this this coronavirus thing as it's unfolding quickly. Um, so it's nice to just talk about normal, normal work stuff for a couple of minutes. Um, so I'm really glad to be here with our friend, colleague, uh, Dr. Danny Merck, who is the superintendent of Pickens County School District near Clemson, South Carolina. Morning, Danny. How are you? Good morning. Great Thank to be you. with you. Yeah, so glad you're here. Um, so, uh, you know, I think maybe let's start with with the issue of of the week. And, you know, people do listen to this sometimes weeks and, and months later. So uh, hopefully by the time people are listening to this, the coronavirus is is no longer a threat and we are all back to normal life. But since we're in the midst of this this week, um, talk to me about, you can use this one specifically, but when you're running a school district of, you've got about what, 16,000 students? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Talk to me about how you and your team game plan for these really tough scenarios to make sure kids are safe and teachers are safe. Talk to me about like what the, and I, I think I think folks are interested kind of in the nuts and bolts. Like, is there a daily meeting? Do you get briefings from the governor? How is this working for you all right now? And how do you make sure you've got the best plan? Yeah, well, thank you, Doug. And thank you for having me this morning. Uh, it's a great opportunity just to be able to speak with you. Uh, in South Carolina, uh, this decision is being driven by uh, DHEC, South Carolina DHEC, and our State Department of Education, uh, our superintendent, Molly Spearman. And so this is DHEC not a- is Department of Health something? Yes. Okay. D- Okay. (laughs) Environmental control. Got it. Okay. Yep. And, and DHEC uh, is, is normally, you know, when we have uh, local control over school dismissing, if we, there are four counties in uh, South Carolina, which have to worry about weather and mountains. And we're one of those. And so the the rest of the state doesn't worry about closing school because of snow very much. And so, so that's interesting. I'm sorry. Quick, quick pause. You're one of four soups in the state that has to worry about closing school on snow days. Do the four of you work together? That's right. We do. And so <laughs> it's and now we we call snow if it's if it's even any discussion of snow we call off school. <laughs> right. So, hey, uh, you got, that's like you know you got something in common with your your Yankee brethren up here who they I mean plus we have so many small districts up here they text each other at three a.m. like and they drive yeah. around and send yep. pictures and you know. Cool. That's, right. that's exactly what we do. We actually, yeah. uh, uh, the superintendents wake up and then we have emergency management and emergency management. They're connected to all the police and emergency <coughs> personnel in the district. So uh, they, 
they we don't actually have to ride the roads as much as we have to communicate. Yeah. Oh, uh, and so uh, it, as far as this decision with coronavirus, uh, the state is taking control of it, and uh, the superintendents we gathered uh, last week, and and uh, all seventy nine superintendents are meeting in a room with the state superintendent, and this is unusual. Um, I don't yeah. think this has ever happened before. And so it's important that we're team players and, and listen and understand and try to learn. And we work with our local officials and uh, we try to learn from them. Yeah. And, uh, and we're not, we're not in isolation making decisions. Yeah. Like we are sometimes with the weather. I guess that's my point. <laughs> um, how far is it for you to the, to Columbia, the state capital? It's about two hours. It is pretty much anywhere. If I'm, if I have my South Carolina geography, right. Almost anybody can get to Columbia in two hours. Is that about right? <laughs> yes. That's about right. Columbia is the middle of the of the state, and uh, Pickens County. We're located two hours from Charlotte and two hours from Atlanta. We're directly in the middle. Actually, one of our cities is called Central because by rail railway, it's uh, the the central part uh, mm. between Atlanta and Charlotte. So, got it. Uh, that's where we're located. Yeah, but I mean that there there are advantages I think in terms of coordinating responses to 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 challenges like this in that you go, you all can get together pretty easily if you need to. That's right. Um, a lot of States, yeah. you know, that's, that's not a possibility. So, um, yeah. Yeah. and then, so, and what's it look like internally? How are you kind of communicating with, with families and staff and, you know, who's doing what? I'm just curious how that looks. We, we do have a task force uh, that they meet every day. And then uh, I meet with my team, my senior leadership team. There's about eight of us. Uh, we meet once a week, so they all know that we're going to see each other once a week. The task force on, on the coronavirus meets daily, and so they communicate daily. And then uh, we uh, communicate with our school board. We have seven members on our school board, and we communicate with them uh, probably two or three times a week. Uh, and we meet with our principals every two weeks in the entire year. Uh, we have 26 principals and directors. And so we see them every two weeks. And so they know they're going to be able to ask questions in person. There's just something about a person, personal meeting when you're yeah. able to ask personal questions and, um, and instead of through email or text messages. Right. So that's nice. Yeah. And, you know, there's a reason why in the age of video conferencing and all that, we and I, I still try to get together a couple of times a year um, because that's important. In fact, uh, you know, by the time people are hearing this, they'll hear that we, we postponed our, our May conference to July just because we think everything's going to be a lot easier for folks when we get into a new school year. Plus, July, no kids in buildings. So we're, we're hopeful that, that's, that everything will be back to normal or close to it by then. But I guess we'll see. Um, yes. Yes. But yeah, in-person matters. And, um, you know, glad to hear. I mean, is it mostly business as usual for students and teachers right now? Uh, right now. And Clemson... They're the largest employer in the county, and I have two daughters actually that go there, and right. so they're they're talking about e-learning a lot more along with uh, the the universities throughout the nation, and with March Madness now going going without fans, and uh, it's uh, the NBA being canceled. So there's a yesterday was a huge day in our country, and we all pay attention to those things, and it affects yeah. all of us, and so yeah. Uh, we're all trying to learn at the same time about what's best for kids because we have some vulnerable students in poverty who need the food every day. And so we're right. all trying to figure that out. Uh, how do we help our most vulnerable students and families at a time 
when virtual learning and e-learning seems to be a certainty right around the corner. Yeah, it'll be a test for, for whether e-learning can deliver the same results for kids as what we do in class. We've, we've always been blending, right? All of, all of you that I know are blending various aspects of, of e-learning options. Um, this will be my own, my own uh, special education teacher wife is, she's got, you know, uh, I think we're like a week or two maybe ahead of you guys in terms of the, the level of, of concern and threat up here in New York. And so they've been directed to get two weeks of, of lessons ready to go. Um, and so, you know, it's just, I, I, there could be a silver lining out of this that we've learned something about how we can better reach some kids and better teach some kids. You know, it's not going to be perfect, but that would be great if there is a silver lining out of all this, right? That's right. That's right. And we, we're one of 15 school districts in South Carolina who are already doing e-learning during inclement weather. And so we had two days last school year and this year we've had two days. And so we've learned a lot from those experiences, but uh, this is extended e-learning, yeah, not, right. not be... just a day or two. So this is more of a challenge. And so uh, yeah. we're all paying attention to it very closely. Yep. Well, good luck to everybody there. And, um, you know, we, uh, we're, we're wishing good, good thoughts to everybody around the country. I know that some of our, some of our folks, one of our members is the superintendent in New Rochelle, New York, which I'm sure you read about is the place where there's the containment zone. And, uh, we texted a little bit the other day and, and, uh, Laura's, Laura's doing okay. It's just pretty crazy. And she sent me a text at a crazy hour. So I'm sure she's working nonstop. So, um, well, let's, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about, you know, just what's going on in Pickens County schools this, this year. Um, one of the things I've always appreciated about you, Danny, is that you've always been willing to your, any conversations on the table. If there's something you think might help students in some way, you're willing to spend a few minutes kind of kicking around or having your team kick it around. I think that's a, that's a leadership quality I try to have. Um, but you know, when you get busy and got stressed and parents wanting stuff from you or, you know, it's, it's tough to always kind of take that 15 minutes and explore it. Um, but I, I would, I, I know that that benefits your district. You're sort of, your worldview that we should kind of check things out. So what's, uh, what's new and exciting in Pickens County this year? What's something that you've, you've implemented that's been working really well for you? Well, I'll tell you, we've, we're very pleased because um, our, our people, we've, this is my sixth year superintendent and last year, every principal came back and they've been hired for next year. So this would be two years with every principal coming back. So that stability has given us some uh, some great options, and so we're we're trying to go another direction uh, with our teaching and learning. Um, personalized learning is uh, an area that we're really focusing on. Uh, we feel like our teachers have done a great job learning the standards, um, learning formative assessment, learning the new evaluation system. Uh, so I feel like the the first five years we we were just trying to get the fundamentals down. And now we're taking it to another level because we have people who have been here with us for so long. Yeah. And uh, when you have good people uh, and you have trust, the, the teacher shortage has not affected us that much in Pickens County. Uh, we've started each year uh, with all of our classrooms with a certified teacher. And so that's been a blessing. So we just feel yeah. like there's another level that we can go. Uh, we didn't have one school uh, below average. That's great. Uh, report card. So all of our schools are learning at a high level and performing very well. 
And so we, we don't, we just want to keep a teachable attitude. And part of my association with IEI is to learn from other people who have done better things than we have. And so we can learn and grow and not become complacent. Yeah. And so that's one of the, I just love being in the room with all the superintendents and all the other people and learning best practice and, and what's working with them. And I hope that that teachable attitude is what, um, resonates with our entire senior leadership team and district leadership because we, we've never arrived in education. There's always more to learn. There's always, always room to grow. Yeah. And there's always someone doing a little bit better in certain areas. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's always nice to learn. So yeah, uh, here in Pickens County, technology has been a strength of ours. Yeah. Uh, I was also in Finland a couple of years ago and we brought in 14 professors from Finland during December and they trained 700 of our teachers. Uh, and so uh, we have a great relationship with Finland. We tell people we play more than everybody and that's from Finland. Yeah. yeah. We have some of the best technology because some of our people have uh, just really invested and our boards invested. So yeah, that's in great. the middle of it is a, is the core teacher who mm -hmm. has to use uh, the, the finish example and the technology. And hopefully we provide a better culture for kids as a result of using the technology with the, the natural yeah. surrounding of play. Yeah. Well, things like teachable attitudes, those are cultural things that leaders, you know, usually get to pervade the organization by modeling and relentless, you know, sort of hammering the concepts home. Right. And that's, that's sort of, and the other thing that's, I think the struggle about developing you know, to be successful, you got to develop leaders, you know, amongst your, your, your sort of deputies and other junior leaders in the organization. But that means some of them end up being really good at it and you lose them. Right. Yeah, um, that's right. That's right. right. That's sort of, that mean that shows you're good at developing leaders if, if people are starting to get, get leadership jobs elsewhere. So, um, which is something we're going to talk about, uh, if hopefully when we get together in July is just talk about like this process of kind of keeping a pipeline of leaders coming, just share ideas about how different folks are, are doing it. And I think that our partners on the private sector side too, they have the same, same challenge. They got to develop people in their midst. So, um, well, good. So it's been, been a good, been a good school year. How'd your, uh, how'd your football team do this fall? Well, you got four, right? You got four high schools? We have four high schools yeah. now. I'm a little bit partial because I have two sons. And uh, so uh -huh. my, my son's team uh, won every game during the regular season, uh, but made it to the third round of the playoff. And so they did well. And, yeah. and of course, we're Clemson fans here in South well, Carolina. Yeah. Made it to the <laughs> national championship, the LSU team. So, yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, you talked about consistency of leadership too. I, I, I'm also a huge, I'm like, probably the biggest college football fan on Long Island. There aren't too many of us. I mean, you've seen the squads we have around here, but um, you know, I, I think it's cause I was raised by a Buckeye. So I'm, I'm you know, steeped in it, but um, you know, I, I often, I default to sports sometimes for my leadership metaphors. Cause I, you know, I'm passionate about it, but the good programs, whether it's, you know, the Patriots in the NFL or uh, the Yankees under Joe Torrey, which is, you know, my, my favorite example of this as a Yankee fan, cleanse it like continuity of leadership and keeping that pipeline of people um delivers results and if we can you know learn anything from from people like like coach sweeney or or others i think that's something for us to take away no doubt I, the, the last year i was a high school principal we we won four state championships in four different sports and the common denominator was that all four of the teams 
were led by high school coaches who had been there for five years. And so, you know, that consistency that you're talking about applies in all levels, whether it's high school or pro or, or college. And so, and just consistency, showing up every day. I mean, just, yeah. just having a calling of helping kids. And, and I mean, we all want to win championships, but we want to uh, instill champions yeah. and make champions out of kids and just being there to love them and take care of them. Uh, is I mean, it's a calling. And so yeah. right coronavirus, the, there's nobody running uh, to hide. They're trying to help kids and help families and learn from it and, yeah. and to help society. And so we, we don't know exactly what to do with every situation, but, yeah. but we're trying to be positive in the middle of a crisis. Yeah. And I think it's, I think this sports metaphor has caught on in that. I think you see more, not necessarily that it's all athletics, but you see more kind of coaching mentality throughout uh, instruction K to 12. Um, more opportunities for small groups like that, you know, that, that works and sticks. And I'll say as a, as also as a dad of, of a girl, it's cool that like girls sports are now getting so much more, you know, it's never going to be like college football or high school football in the South. Nothing's ever going to be like that. But, (laughs) but around here, like our girls across to our girls basketball teams going to States, if they still play those games with this, with this coronavirus. So like, that's uh you know the girls sports are now almost as prominent and hopefully by the time my kids and adults they'll be maybe surpass boys sports in terms of their prominence in in our lives so mm-hmm. um so uh good so i i wanted to ask you a little bit too part of what we do on talk soups is we're you know the how school districts work is a bit of a black box to some of the folks i deal with on the industry side and um i think that leads to some of the misconceptions that potentially lead to tools being built that don't make sense for school districts. And so we try to help kind of folks get educated about how school districts work and how different, you know, I always tell people each state is its own market, its own country. I don't want to use the word market. Each state is its own kind of uh, unique place where things are different and there are different dynamics. I've always noticed South Carolina has all of the, you'll have some County systems. You're not like Florida where everything's just a County. Um, And uh, you've got some county systems, but some counties that are broken up. And um, I know your county is all together, but you know, how does that? How did that come about? Like, give us the sort of lowdown on how South Carolina school districts are structured and why. Yes, and we are Pickens County is a county district. There are seventy nine school districts in South Carolina. That number changes every year. Uh, some uh, counties get consolidated. Um, and uh, so that's a legislative action sometimes. But out of 79 counties, I think there are 31 countywide district. And so that, that would mean of the 15 other county districts, they're split up a lot of different ways. Yeah. Uh, like Spartanburg has seven school districts, Spartanburg one, two, three, all the way up to seven. And so, um, Greenville is right beside us in Pickens County. They're the largest school district in the state of South Carolina. Mm. Uh, they're about five times our size. And so they're, they're the 45th largest school district in America. So they're very large. And uh, so uh, we're uh, what we call level five district. Uh, we're 16,000. Uh, but every county has its own story yeah. in terms of splitting it up. Yeah. And, it, and those stories go back many, many years. And so yeah. it's, it's impossible for me to t- tell you every story. But I would say there's a move in our state to reduce the number 
of school districts and uh, not to make it full countywide. I don't think we'll ever wind up with 46, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're somewhere in the high 60s or low 70s before consolidations uh, and equity uh, right. uh, is completely solved because oh, we do have uh, uh, some school districts in South Carolina that are very, very poor. And uh, that equity comes into play in South Carolina uh, more so than most states. And so mm. we're in the upper part of South Carolina. Uh, we're about 50% free and reduced lunch in a state that's about 70%. Wow. So I tell our people that we're a rich uh, uh, county or district in a poor state. Yeah. Uh, we would probably be considered average if you look at all of America. Right. But you're, you're one of the biggest, you know, college towns. I mean, it's, you know, one of the two major universities in the state. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, that equity thing is a, is a problem everywhere. Uh, and you know, the, it's, it's interesting that you're, it's tough, it's tough to get two districts to merge. Cause I mean, think about it. Like if you had to merge with, with the County next door, that, that would be, that would be a tough thing for people, especially when you got a small district that's got one high school. And you got to merge with like if they've never you've got a county where there are four high schools right um it's tough and it comes down to things like mascots and colors and right that's i played on the basketball team here and we wear green and white you that's know right. and i want my kid to wear green and white like that's that's a real that's important to people you know it's, that important, is. it's important to me i mean it's so yeah it's it's a it's it's a tough one well good luck to south carolina on trying to solve that um we, we could use some, you know, our governor's talked about it here in New York, but it's, we got 600 districts. It's, it's, it's a mountain of a challenge. Um, so let's, I just, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about Danny. I'm just, you know, I, I, people are always interested to know how do people become superintendents and kind of what, what got you into this? So uh, how did you, what made you choose public education first? Um, you know, it's a career of, of service for sure, especially at times like this when you're, I mean, it's not, you're not literally running into a fire, but you know, being in having to go to school every day as this thing might be passed around amongst us is, uh, you know, it's, it's important work, but, uh, what made you decide to, to jump into this work? Uh, thank you. That's a great question. Um, this is my 29th year in education. And so I've enjoyed all my years. I love what I do. I don't consider it work. I was up this morning at three o'clock reading and uh, just trying to get the day started because I love what I do. And so um, I've just never viewed education as a, as a job or going to work. I view it as a calling that I just love to build people and be around people. And I just, I've always enjoyed it. Uh, when I came out of college, I came out with a business economics degree from Walford college in Spartanburg. And, um, I, I, the happiest days of my life were always at school. I love my teachers. I love my coaches. I loved everything about going to school. And so I, I went back and became a, a certified teacher and I love teaching. I love my nine years in the classroom, but I wasn't in the classroom a month. And the principal called me to, to her office and she said, you're going to be a superintendent one day. And I thought, well, I, I'm having a hard time controlling this classroom, much less be a superintendent. <laughs> like tomorrow so I, or? <laughs> I thought she was crazy. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, neither one of my parents graduated high school but wow. they always supported the teachers and supported the coaches. I never heard my parents one time make a negative remark about a teacher or a coach. And so it was 
reinforced when I when I got home from school that it was a positive experience at school. So wow. I love I loved being at school. So when I graduated college, I wanted to be at the happiest place that I ever been, which was in the schoolhouse. I've yeah. always loved being there, and I still love going back to the classroom. And I love being around the conversation, the dialogue of of learning, and how do we improve teaching and learning? And we uh, we're just a little bit different, Doug, here in Pickens County. When everybody else complains about evaluation system, we evaluate every principal every year, and yeah. we have meetings. And but we use evaluation to build. We don't ever use evaluation to get people. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where I started. I felt like my coaches were always evaluating me to make me better. Yeah. Right. I, I never, I never viewed what they were doing to hurt me. And so here I am 29 years and I spend the majority of my time evaluating principles because yeah. I want you to get better. Right. You want to help. And, and it's back to how the teachers viewed me a long time ago. Sure. Yeah. But you had a, you had a leader who recognized something in you and made sure you understood that that person recognized it about you. So you could then reorient yourself, right? Yeah. Just words that gave me, gave me hope and gave me a outlook on you're going to be a superintendent one day. And yeah, it just stuck with me. And, and so when when people build other people, I've never forgotten that lesson. And I try to always encourage somebody every day. Yeah. It's interesting. You bring up the point about we evaluate principles every year, you know, it's because of the, because of the academic calendar, first of all, everyone gets so used to the academic calendar because we do it ourselves as students for 17, 20, 20, whatever years, depending on your graduate work. And then if you go into education, you're still on that academic calendar. So we're into this, we're used to this cycle of like, once the train leaves the station in August or September, when you start school, you just go, go, go until May or June when it ends. Right. So that means that we only, and then we have this break. So then we just kind of take stock of things. Um, the idea that you'd only evaluate somebody on your team once a year is, is anathema to some in the private sector, especially since, you know, it's like in the first 30 days, you got to figure out how this is going to work. And, you know, everyone's at will employees and it's a different, you know, so the, but the idea that we would do it less than a year is, is, yeah, I agree with you. That's, that's, that would be tough. Um, you know, micro evaluations are kind of the new micro evaluations and micro coaching opportunities. That's, that's what everyone I'm talking to is, is looking at as the future of kind of staff and leadership development. Yes. Yes. You know, and, and outside coaching, somebody who's not your actual boss, but someone who's smart, understands the stuff and can kind of swoop in and help you and be your sort of, I, my executive coach is like my work therapist. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. cause I, I can just, I can just unload on her. And she just helps me. She doesn't tell me what to do. She helps me figure out what I'm, what I think I should do. So. Yeah, and I, I tell our principals, every leader needs three people. You need a mentor, a mentee, and a friend. Mm. You need someone to build you. You need mm. someone to build. And you need someone that's going to listen and be there no matter what. Yeah. And if you have those three people in your life, you're going to remain balanced because we yeah. all need other people. Yeah. And we, don't, we don't need to be in isolation and leadership. Yeah. There are too many, too many decisions coming to us every day. Yeah. And, and we need some time to reflect and just to, to look at things a little bit differently. Yeah. 
quick sidebar what happened to Wofford this year with basketball <laughs> you guys <laughs> yeah, usually you're in the well, tournament I usually pick you to do an upset in the first round and have done well on that over the years yeah well Mike Young was the coach and he went to Virginia Tech and uh, the new coach and uh, Wofford did really well in the tournament they made it four rounds to the championship after going I think they were 15 and 15 in this, this year but they made it to the right. championship and wow. uh and, and got beat so at least they, they made it to the championship so yeah. good year for Wofford and it bodes well for the future uh especially since we may not have a tournament this year so that's right <laughs> it's a good that's year right. to, to to miss out um so let's let's shift gears to our our favorite talk soup segment you just said something pretty crazy to me that you got up at 3 a.m to start reading I'm always um impressed with how how superintendents almost all of them that I know particularly the ones in our group you guys just, you find hours in the day that I don't know that other people realize exist. And, um, you know, I've, I've been on a journey this year to have a much better morning routine. I've had a really great year because of it. Um, and so I've been asking everybody since I started the podcast this year, you know, what, how, how does Danny get, get ready for a day, get ready to, to face the challenges of running the schools each day? <laughs> yeah, that's uh that that is a, a good question. Now I, I read New York Times of of I mean I wake up in the morning and I read New York Times on my phone just to stay engaged with what's going on in the world. I read yeah. an article about how schools in New York are are coping with it because like you said, there are a couple of weeks before us with the issue. So um I'm it's just like a preview. I, I try to stay informed and uh so I do read New York Times uh each morning. And then uh, after that, I, I have a devotional and I get my sauna and I do the six minute workout. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> and, so, and then I'm, uh, I leave for work around 630. Yeah. And, uh, I'm here early and uh, I, I do have four kids, two daughters and two, two boys. And so I, I try to be a father around 430. And, oh, that's uh, great. and so my, my wife and I, we try to make sure that we, we, we get that time right with our kids. And so, I told the school board when they hired me that I would, I would try to spend the extra time uh, before school in the morning to make sure that my communication is up to par and that I'm well read. And, uh, but you know, at four 30, I try to make sure that I'm, I'm a dad. I don't want to ever lose that opportunity to be their father. Yeah. To have that. And then, plus then you got to go do night stuff, right? You got to go to basketball games or board meetings or whatever. That's right. And right, they, they, they come along and, uh, Oh, that's but, great. But that's but uh, that's part of it, and we have one school board meeting a, a month. Oh, that's and, good. Uh, and so yeah. we're we're in, in the season we're in, Doug. Right now, we're always working on two budgets uh, uh, from Christmas till June. We're always working on the operating budget. Right. Yeah, from July to November, we're always working on the debt service or the capital budget. Right. Yeah. Called capital improvement. So we're always working on a budget, and um, so we just try to stay balanced to where you don't get. Um, we think five years out in, in the fall and then uh, from now until June, we think about next school year. Right. So yeah. We have a long-term strategy and we have a short term. And so my, my mornings and my day, I try to make sure that I keep my goals in front of me, that I keep my budgets in front of me. And, but we also, if you look at the calendar, I always try to put time in there for building people. I evaluate 14 people. And I try to make sure those four people, 14 people are part of my life each month. Yeah. So, and that's part of my calendar that I make sure that I, I, I take care of that every day. Yeah. 
Great. Yeah. Good intentional sort of mentoring mentor, mentee and friend, right? Yes. That's, that's the, right. uh, the professional Holy Trinity as it were. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we all need balance. Yeah. Uh, great. Are you coaching any of your kids in anything right? I know they're older, but are you coaching anything? I, I do not. I'm actually uh, driving my, my oldest son down to Georgia. Uh, there's a coach in Georgia. That's a very good quarterback coach. And uh, so I drive him down there and, you know, at some point uh, I had to give up coaching my kids because yeah. it, that dynamic, I, I want them to always know I'm their cheerleader. I always want, I'm on their yeah. side. And right. I don't want to, I'm, I'm intense when it comes to sports, but I'm, <laughs> I, I'm probably a little, little too intense. And so I, well, I, I need to be a cheerleader instead of a coach. <laughs> yeah. Well, that may change for me if my kid continues. I'm still in the T-ball phase. So like <laughs> it's right. Warm bodies with a pulse is what they need right now. In fact, I took my, CP, right. took my CPR class the other night. T-ball starting and we don't, we can't start till April here. So, uh, you know, yeah. so, uh, it's good. We're having fun with it. So it's great. That's All right, time. Danny, this, this was great. Thanks for being on. We appreciate you being on talk soups. Um, anything else you want to share about what you're working on or anything else you want to say to the vast millions who listen to talk soups? Oh, uh, we're, um, we're, I mean, South Carolina has, is really, uh, the last five years, we started off with a, a $5 billion state budget five years ago. Here it is five years later, we're at 10.2 billion. So we've increased about a billion dollars a year. Wow. That's five years. So our state has grown with the economy yeah. and improvements. And so, um, our is that state, manufacturing is that like, are, are companies moving into South Carolina? Companies are moving in South Carolina. We have, uh, of course we have Boeing, uh, yeah. BMW, uh, Volvo. We have some large companies that moved in. And so, our population's increasing, the tourism's wow. increasing, our companies are growing. So it's a real, it's a very good place to be. We call it Charlanta. It's the fastest growing region <laughs> in America. Yeah, uh, the, the that's area pretty interesting. Charlotte and Atlanta. And so South Carolina's uh, a good place. And we've gone through our rough times as a state, but we're trying to improve. And, and here in Pickens County, I've been blessed with a good school board. And uh, we're just thankful for where we are and thankful for the opportunity to work with IEI because I've been introduced to so many great superintendents and, and you've been very helpful to me and the people that you surround yourself with. They've helped me grow and helped our leadership team grow here. And so I'm very thankful for that. Thankful oh, for and we're thankful for you. It's kind of you to say we, we love having you in and we love having a South Carolina delegation. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those people always tell me that, we have a couple of states where you go to other stuff. They're just like, there aren't South Carolina people. So we're glad to have you guys there and building a little crew. All right. Last question for those who, as a, as a local, if what's your favorite uh, South Carolina tourist destination, where do people need to need to absolutely visit? I would say Lake Joe Cassie. It's in Oconee County, right next to the mountains. It's uh, basically right. where I thought you were going to say Charleston. All right, you got to spell that real quick. Yeah. <laughs> J-O-C-A-S-S-E-E. Huh? Joe Cassie. Cool. All right. And, Google it, everybody. Lake Joe Cassie. Lake Joe Cassie. It's a mountain lake and it's beautiful. It's man made and it, it's one of the prettiest mountains you'll ever, or mountain lakes you'll ever see. Nice. Just instead of kind of a calm lake vibe there yes there's not a lot of homes uh not a lot of a lot of places to build or camp they're just a a few places but it's very quiet if you like to hike or trout fish or clean water 
Uh, (laughs) All right. Good. Thanks for the tip. All right, Danny, thanks for being with us. Good luck with everything down there. We hope, uh, we hope this coronavirus ends up being a non-event for all of us. Don't we? Yes. 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 All right. Thanks for being on. Take care. Yeah. Thank you. See ya. All right. That's all she wrote on episode 18. Enjoyed the chat with Danny. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Look for the next one coming out in a matter of days. Stay safe and stay healthy, everybody. Stay inside. Take care.